We're going to be continuing in that theme this morning, and I couldn't have thought, oh, I did think of that song actually, Graham, you know, um, um, because it really ties in with not only what we've been doing as a church for uh, quite some months now, uh, but the, the, the recent uh, series on Jonah that, that Josh has, has led us in. Um, I, was, I was really stimulated by, um, by what Graham uh, taught last, uh, last week, uh, telling from the bringing together the story of Jonah, but we'll, we'll look at that. But as uh, Sherilyn led uh, the Lord's Prayer this morning, uh, that's certainly on the agenda. People are reading that in churches all around the world. And uh, uh, because it's it's in the readings today, and uh, and so uh, the reading we'll be looking at this morning is a, is a reading, a rendition of the Lord's Prayer that we don't often read because it, it seems like it's been ripped off. You know, it seems like there's parts been dropped out and missed out, uh, but uh, it's still, uh, as we'll find, it's still um, all there. And uh, so. Uh, Getting into prayer. You know, the thing about prayer is it is all about theology. And Evanly, um, way back, going back um, in, the, in the times of John the Baptist, uh, he evidently, as a lot of religious leaders of the day, and this was the rabbinic sort of thing that was happening in those days, they would have different people and, uh, and they would have ministries and they would have followings. And so they would teach their mode of prayer. And I guess it's the same all around the world with, with churches today. We, we have a different way of doing things, don't we? And uh, so the disciples came to Jesus and they said, well, you know, teach us how to pray. Could you teach us, give us a, a prescription, give us a, um, a methodology, give us something to go by uh, because we don't want to be left behind. You know, John's, got, John's uh, followers know it all, but will you help? Help us, and uh, and so Jesus obliges. And now, this, when he got this this prayer that he uh, that we look at and we've recited this morning is something that wasn't just on this occasion. It was something that Jesus actually rehearsed with his disciples over and over, and you find that in the Gospels. But it, the thing about prayer is, it is it is theology. And I remember I, be, I became a Christian in a church that was uh, in, in in New Zealand. It was Pentecostal. And it was all about being free. It was all about learning how to pray. And I remember I used to, I was a real problem because I was in, on a, a campus. And uh, I was on a, uh, a campus in which there's other students. And I ended up being uh, voted on the president of the, of the, the Students Association. And, uh, and one thing I noticed is I prayed so much different than everyone else, you know, all of the other tertiary students there, because I learned how to pray loud. And <laughs> that's the way you should pray, you know. And, uh, and so, and also I prayed from the heart and I prayed uh, with, with a sense of enthusiasm, I guess, and passion. And I realized that most people pray very quietly. And at, at the time, of course, it's different now. But uh, <laughs> so, um, you know, Jesus begins to give us a layout for prayer. And, uh, and I, I realized that that we can pray always. And this is, this is something we discovered. There's so many ways to pray and we need to experiment. We need to, I had to learn how to get out of my groove and, and not blast everyone's ears out, but actually um, <laughs> learn to pray at the pace of others. And God was there too. So uh, anyway, this is when, this is what Jesus uh, 
talks about, he says, when you pray, so the first thing there, that this is typical, when you pray. Prayer is not a, an option. If you're following Jesus, prayer is our breath. It's part of life. It's something that he did continually. And in Luke, actually, uh, it's more than any of the other Gospels. You see him praying here, there, and everywhere. And so um, when he talks to us as his disciples, he says, when you pray, say, Father. Now, that's, that word is Abba. Abba, it's dear Father. It's an endearing. It's a familiar term. So... In other words, straight away we're in, okay? Um, Father, hallowed be your name. Now that's, um, I was just thinking this morning, um, as, we, as we worship, uh, and as the team led us this morning in worship, what we're doing is, is telling forth the name of God. He is good. He is great. He is faithful. The words that we sing week by week and, and believers sing all around the world are doing this. We're fulfilling this in that we're, we're affirming together in a song, actually singing in harmony together, uh, the affirmation of who God is, that he is awesome. And that seems to wash us. That seems to change our week. I don't know what sort of week you've had. Um, and some people, no doubt, have been through difficult seasons this week. As it happens, that's the nature of life. I know uh, Leanne's uh, got my wife as... Um, in hospital with her mother this morning because she had a, another fall and we're hoping she's okay but um, one thing about my mother-in-law she's got a sweet sweet spirit and I know she will be declaring the goodness of God regardless that's just what she does um, anyway um, so prayer is about theology and so prayer when you pray and when, I, when we listen to each other pray and when we pray it tells a lot about how much we know God and how we know God. And I guess if we're praying, if, if, if there's a lot of negativity in our prayer, it, it, it's, it's speaking about perhaps that's our concept of God, that, that a lot of things go wrong and he's nowhere to be seen. So, um, and so we worry for him. Well, we might think God is not doing his job. You know, and therefore we need to twist his arm, you know, to get him to do things. You know, so our prayers tell us a lot about about our relationship and our understanding of God. So when you pray well, it's good theology. And God wants us. The theology is the knowledge of the Almighty. It's the knowledge of God. And it should be our greatest passion, our greatest subject. In fact, our education system started off, our Western education, as it started off as a theology lesson. You know, it started off, in fact... The theology, I'm, I'm getting off, off track, sorry Josh, Josh would like this. The theology was called the prince of the sciences. It was the first science. It was the thing that people did a degree in theology before they did anything else. They did engineering or, or, or medicine, anything else. They did theology first because it was an understanding that was the chief science. That was the chief thing to learn in life. And whatever else you do or may do, if, if you've got an understanding of God, then you've got it. You've got, you've got a bearing in life. So Jesus teaches us to pray, Father, hallowed be your name. In other words, praise your name. Declare his name. Announce how good he is. Um, your kingdom come. And so the domain of God, the reality of God, come among us. And this is one of the things that um, we were discussing, we were just in, in Actually, Josh was just sharing in pre-prayer this morning 
out there. It, it, it was um, to do with the fact that when the Spirit of God is in your life, um, you have the reality of God inside you. It's inside you, not only inside you, it affects everything you do. The reality of God in a person who has received Christ and received the Spirit of God in their life is infectious, it's transformative, it's extraordinary, it's inexplicable. And, uh, and what a privilege we have for those of us who found Christ. And if yet you haven't put, stepped over the line and said, I really want to follow Christ, I want to... I want, to, I want to be a Jesus person. I want to get baptized. I want to be a lifelong follower of Jesus. Do that this morning. Make it, a, make it a goal this morning that you won't leave here without stepping into the kingdom of, of heaven. For start off, you'll have eternal life. Uh, secondly, your sins will be for everything about you that you think. And certainly everyone else, or, uh, or God himself, most importantly, thinks disqualifies you. He has taken that away. So God welcomes us because he's so good. He welcomes us as a dad, as a good dad, uh, into, into his kingdom, into his way, into his life. Your kingdom come. It says, give us each day our daily bread. In other words, our basic needs. Um, uh, what we need, I was, I was actually um, popped over to um, Ben and Laura's last night and, and we, I was just standing around the barbie with, with Ben and uh, he was, uh, he's got a really good kit there and he said, I'd, uh, God, I hope you don't mind Ben. <laughs> he was just about, his, he's got this new barbecue and a new Weber and, and it's an amazing stand beneath it, of course. And uh, he, he felt God caution him about buying the stand, which is all part of the kit. And, and lo and behold, uh, one appeared on the street, down the street somewhere from him. <laughs> he wheeled it home, you know. <laughs> it looks fantastic, you know. <laughs> but I thought that's an example, you know, how God provides if we involve him in our life, because he wants to actually give us good things all the time and amaze us. Uh, that's how good he is. So... Bread, uh, daily bread, forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive. And again, um, the, uh, as we've talked about this morning, Graham talked about it as we come to, uh, to the offering time, it's a, a time when we're reminded of the generosity of God and therefore we are called into a generous spirit and a generous lifestyle uh, because he is good to us. I mean, he, we, we are all sinners. We're all condemned. We're all hopelessly uh, let me say this, that the older I get, the more I realize that without Christ, I am uh, totally written off, okay? I'm dangerous. I'm, I'm actually lethal. And uh, yeah, I am. I'm a, I'm a danger. So I need Jesus. Otherwise, you're in trouble. <laughs> no, I need Jesus. You know, I do need him. And, uh, uh, and, and our strength is not in our own capacity to hold life together but our strength becomes God himself in us and that's the way he's made us to be and therefore I can forgive someone else I can forgive my enemy I, can, I must forgive everybody who who gets someone under my skin and who twists my knobs the wrong way I must forgive them and I do forgive them 
uh, because God has forgiven me. I have no excuse not to release anyone else. And that word forgive is, is, is a word that means release. It actually means to release others from bondage. It means to give them the benefit of God's goodness as God has shown goodness to you. And if we can't do that, God reserves the right, actually, to withhold his goodness from us. And so if things are out of sorts, whether it's a, in our home or out, outside, if things are out of sorts, with a, and we haven't followed through with our whole heart and tried to resolve that thing, then the, we, can be, uh, we can be in need of, of a lot of grace. You know, God will bring us around, but we need to deal with stuff. We need to work through stuff. Um, otherwise... We, uh, we remove ourselves from being a recipient of God's grace or unmerited kindness. Sounds good? Um, so we forgive. We ourselves forgive. We release others. We don't hold on to any judgment against anyone else. We refuse to hold on to anything that disqualifies them. We release people around us. That liberates us as well. That means we don't have to be God. That means we don't have to be the judge, you know, like Jonah, you know, got him into trouble. Big lesson. Okay, so if we judge our society, if we judge our nation, if we write them off, if we judge people that get under under our skin, uh, then what what it does is we are stepping into God's seat, into his place. We're actually saying, God, you can't do your job properly and I need to step in here, Okay. We're in actually huge trouble, okay? So anything that you might have today, don't leave this place. We've had communion this morning. Don't leave this place, but begin to say, God, I release that person. If you are holding on to something, because it'll kill you. It'll kill you. Okay. Right. Well, so that's the Lord Prayer. Don't lead us not to temptation. Um, Forgive everyone and lead us on into temptation. So he doesn't talk about deliver us from evil there. He just says, uh, Lord, help. You know, Lord, pray, Lord, help me. Don't get me there. Uh, I'm aware that I need your help. And that's my prayer. Um, Lord, wherever I go, keep me away. Uh, I'm watching. You're watching me. You're present here with me. And... uh, and there are things where the forces that are trying to tempt me, that are trying to pull me away, I'm not going to go down that path. And uh, that means, you know, that my, my computer screen, I don't have to worry about porn and billboards and things like that because immediately my eye, my eye flicks from anything like that. I don't even have to think about it. I just move, you know, and uh, that's a trap. Of, it's a trap of the enemy. Okay, so... Uh, we all have our temptations. It might be chocolate, it might be... That's a good temptation. Just go for 100%, 100% cocoa. Yeah. <laughs> no. Okay, moving on. So in, in just covering this, this prayer, Jesus actually wanted to do far more than that. He wanted to show us about attitude, about the way we actually pray. So we not only should pray, but the way we do it. And there's a story, and uh, it's, uh, it's been titled The Shameless Friend. So Jesus tells this parable. He says, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves. Uh, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, 
and I have nothing to set before him, and he will answer from within. Okay, so we, we, um, we move on in here. Don't bother me. The door is now shut. My children are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though, he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend. Yet, because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. Now, this is one of those things uh, um, it's, we struggle over. And a lot of people have, have, have tied it down to persistence. Otherwise, you just keep at it and push through. I don't know if you have people in your life who have that capacity, that tenacious capacity, just to keep on going. It's like a, a dripping tap. or like, It just never lets up. Um, some children can be like that, you know. <laughs> but they know, don't they? The children know that if they keep dripping, if they keep dripping, yeah, They'll get it, <laughs> even though it's inconvenient. If it's good, if it's going to be good, they will get it. That's probably behind this whole thought here. So uh, shameless persistence. Um, it comes from, a, it talks about a boldness that comes from familiarity. So it is very much like a, like a, a, young, a young boy and his dad um, <clears throat> just pressing away, Dad, I want to do this. Um, in a sense, shameless counting. In this case, it's, it was counting his friend's desire not to fail communal expectations. Now, that's one of the things to realise in this situation is that, as we've talked about, uh, the, the nature of a hospitable culture uh, and, uh, uh, that was around at the time um, in the ancient world, it meant that if you failed to show hospitality when you were presumed upon, then you were regarded with communal disdain. In other words, everyone would know about it. You would be in the dog box uh, in your whole community, in, in, maybe in your town and city. So, so this guy knows that he has to get those three loaves of bread because unless he gets them, he's in trouble. And so he's shameless in this process. Um, you could say also that the, the, the um, respondent the guy who's in bed with his children. And that's very much the case you know, in Africa, um, where people go to bed, they've got all the kids in bed with them. To get them up, you've got to wake the whole household, you've got to wake the whole neighbourhood. So it's a big deal. And this, this guy um, doesn't want to, uh, you know, don't bother me. Uh, the door's shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. That's his reality. You know, you're going to create a huge disturbance. It says, though he will not get up and give him anything because he's his friend, yet because of his impudence, his shameless uh, perseverance there. Um, and I, I just, I love this. Um, you know, this, this idea of the shameless friend. Now, I think it's encouragement to us. We need to be more shameless in our approach to prayer. Um, it speaks to us of a lack of sensitivity. Now, in our political correct age, our socially correct age, when, you know, just travelling in the train, I'm, I'm in jury service at the moment, and, of course, there's a big sign on the window that says, this is a quiet train, you know. Um, <laughs> um, we live in a very respectful society, but this seems to break the mould. And Jesus is talking, when it comes to prayer, it breaks the mould of our cultural norm. In other words, if we really want to get into prayer, 
the kind of nature of prayer that Jesus is calling us into, that it will actually embarrass you, it will embarrass others, it's going to break through all of those pro social protocols. And, uh, and you might look like a, for a while anyway, like a real nerd or a real, uh, you know, uh, a problem. <laughs> so it speaks to us of a lack of sensitivity to what is proper, a willful lack of concern about acquiring uh, public shame or disgrace. So, in other words, you don't really care. When it comes to praying, you can't have the P's and Q's kind of prayer. If we've learned that kind of prayer, come to me and I will help you, okay? okay. We need to develop the kind of prayer that is actually really gushy, that is actually out there and that is demonstrative. I remember... <laughs> Perhaps I, should, I can say this because um, Charles is not here, but um, I remember once I was in a prayer meeting and Narelle told me was, we were back in the Serbian hall, and I pray, and as I was praying, the Holy Spirit came upon me and I began to stomp, you know, and I began to really assert myself and I really felt the Holy Spirit bringing me into a measure of, a, of anointing and intercession. And, and Charles, I think, maybe it's the South African way, but... Uh, <laughs> but I remember him talking to me. He was one of my student advisors, and he was just wondering about my mental health. <laughs> that was a lot for me to actually, coming from a, a, a Pentecostal norm in which you were, you were just free as a, as a bird, you know, and suddenly to come into an environment that was very conservative. And I realised it's part of Queensland. We've got this pietism that came back from the, the German missionaries and uh, there's a pietism in this place that tends, a religious pietism, that tends to be conservative and hold back, okay? We actually, if we're going to follow Jesus, we actually need to break through this kind of religion and move through into, this, into a measure of uh, powerful prayer. And I, I just love, I mean, this, these are scholars that are saying this, so... Uh, I can, uh, I'm not just speaking subjectively here. <clears throat> it flies in the face of our socially correct bullying, and it can be bullying culture, okay? The correctness of doing it right and not offending or not upsetting or not disturbing is, is also, um, as we've seen perhaps in the extreme case of uh, uh, Izzy Falau, you know, is a bullying culture. It doesn't allow for people to express and so um, uh, prayer, however, is not based on attitudes and actions by us. It is based on the goodness of God. And if we push through, and the word that's used here is impudence. You'll see that word in the, the third to last line. The word impudent, impudence uh, means uh, it's a quality of being, uh, it's, it's being impertinent. Uh, it, it, one example is his arrogance and impudence had offended Many, okay? So you get this idea here. Um, some of the uh, synonyms are impertinence, insolence, effrontery, cheek, audacity, temerity, brazenness, shamelessness, immodesty, pertness. All words that, that describe the sort of actions that we do not tolerate <laughs> in our wonderful society. So prayer, the kind of prayer Jesus is actually exhorting us to move into, has, requires a, a certain amount of courage. It's stepping into, it's like Peter. 
It's stepping out onto the water where no one else will. It's, you know, it's not correct to do. But Peter is chastised and, and ridiculed for his, his, his doubt. And yet he was the one who stepped out onto the water. And God wants us in prayer to be the kind of people who step out into the water because God will actually sustain us in that. Okay. <clears throat> Jesus' parable implies that if it's so among friends with their mixed motives and self-interest, how much more with God who wants to give us what is good and life-giving and who is invested in keeping uh, God's name holy. He moves on then to talk about, and this is something that we all know, the Sunday school covers this, I tell you, ask, it'll be given you, seek and you'll find, knock and it'll be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Now we all know, and we all have prayers that have not been answered. Um, and we all come across situations in which it seems like, this. Is, Jesus, are you really exaggerating here? Are you, um, do you really mean this? And uh, uh, he does. Uh, it challenges us, you know, in the light of the scripture that uh, um, Cheryl and read uh, this morning in, in Romans 8 about the, the goodness and the character of God. If God, and he is, he will look after us in every situation, height and depth, principalities, powers, things present, things, demons, all, what, no matter what it is, it cannot resist the love of God in us. And, and therefore, um, you know, Paul uh, talks about this in Ephesians. He says, taking the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit. See how much the Spirit is mentioned here. With all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. So um, Paul is, is hitting on this. What, what Jesus is talking about here is, is not just one way of praying. He's talking about asking. He's talking about seeking. He's talking about knocking. And the nature of prayer is not a monotone, simple recital of the Lord's Prayer. The nature of prayer demands all kinds of prayer. It demands, it demands us to flex and flow with the Holy Spirit in prayer. It, 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 it demands us to actually engage with God by His Spirit so that our prayers are His prayers. You know, example I give is when, when I first became a Christian, I was playing in a band and, uh, uh, and I, I was playing electric violin. And, uh, and so when I came to church, I used to pull out my violin in the audience. It was a church of about four or five hundred people. And I just play in the worship. And, and, you know, God began to play through me. What I found as I got involved with music was this whole level of, of musicality that I realized it wasn't my ability, but it was God playing through me. And there were times when I literally felt God playing through me. I could feel him holding my arms as I was playing the violin. And I'd moved into a realm of the prophetic, 
I realised, and it was, it, it was like a, a lightning bolt. It was like grounding the glory of God among us. Such a privilege, you know. At that time, there was just the way God was, was moving. But as we are talking about prayer, very similar. God is wanting to lend ourselves, our skills, our abilities, our language, our theology, our reading, Bible reading, you know, in such a way that we're so immersed in him that he can ground his glory through us, through our prayers, and move our prayers into the most exciting part of our lives. And, okay, it, it, it's, it'll meet our needs. That, that's, it'll, it'll deal with issues in our lives. But it brings the kingdom of God. It brings the domain, the realm of God among us. And so we're actually living by his spirit in the, the eternal domain of God. And that's what the world needs. That's what society needs. Um, and that's what we need. <laughs> okay. So I could go into that. I've run out of time to do that. But that's, I'd love to explore because I've, I've, I've just, in that passage there, um, I'm, what I'm seeing is creative engagement with God and his eternal purposes. So what it is, is learning how to actually reach out beyond ourselves and allow the Spirit of God to actually bring a creativity in us, in prayer, that actually it blows out. It actually it, it transforms our prayer life and our whole life. And um, you're actually touching heaven, and you know where you, I be, you belong. Because the Spirit of God is the Spirit of truth. In other words, the spirit of reality, of the real world. And, and as we are engaged in prayer, God grounds us in the eternal realm. He gives us perspective that will change what it is in the office. It'll change what it is in the neighborhood. It'll change what it is in relationships in the church. It'll change everything about our lives. And Jesus goes on there and talks about a father. Now, this um, a father... Why do you give his son a fish instead of a We know a good dad will not um, withhold anything good from his child or any parent. And it's Jesus said, if you then are, who are evil, and as I said before, I am evil, okay? I know that I fall short. We are all, we're all armed and dangerous. But through the cross, God disarms us. And he said, if we, being human and we falter, um, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now, he's, he, doesn't prom, he doesn't promise to give us um, ascendancy in our firm or, um, uh, yeah, he doesn't promise to, uh, to advance us so that we become the, the, uh, a, a name to be... Um, um, to be revered amongst our society. He's not trying, God is not here uh, about trying to build our kingdom. He is actually involving us so that we can be a part of building his kingdom. And it's by the Spirit, it's by the Holy Spirit in our lives that that is, that is built. And that is a sacrificial one. Jesus, you know, time and time, time, and time again talks about the cost of the kingdom. I'm just going to close by, by just reading something. You know, this, uh, I, I first want to mention, 
an example of this in, in my, uh, my recent week is a friend of mine who last year, um, his wife was taking, he was up cycling on Mount Cutha as he often does on a Saturday morning. His wife was walking the dog, uh, going, she's fit, and uh, she's walking across Annerley Road and a young lady, a 23-year-old lady, was uh, driving early in the morning. Uh, it was broad daylight. She wasn't on the mobile phone. She was completely uh, no drugs in the system. She just didn't see Penny, and she ran into her. And a few days later, uh, Penny was no longer alive. My friend Neil uh, shared at a recent at a conference uh, last week just how he has had to work through this, and part of it is actually forgiving. The, the, this young lady, and he's doing more than that. He's seeking a restorative justice program. Now, this actually flies into the against of our normal justice program, because what he wants with her is to sit down face to face and actually tell his story and listen to her story. And through that, the nature of restorative justice, a relationship is built. I mean, it doesn't take away the pain, it doesn't take away the loss. But this, I believe, is a Christian response to an issue. And he had to choose not to hate her and not to hold this grudge because every day they had a lovely, amazing marriage of almost 40 years, you know. And, uh, and then to suddenly lose that. He couldn't say goodbye to her. He didn't have the opportunity. It was just over like that. He's seeking the goodness of God. He's seeking to bring the kingdom of God to that young lady's life. She's just agreed, as I understand, to meet him. After five court sessions uh, in which uh, that Neil's had to go through there, they've all had to go through, she's just agreed to meet with him. So there is hope. But we'll, you know, that's... Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention is, is my, my beautiful wife, Leanne. You know, this week she celebrated 10 years as a chaplain. She made a choice to, to go out as a chaplain. And she has her church, her, the one that the Lord showed her, is a community of almost 1,500 people in Kedron, parents, children, uh, etc., staff. And she has become a pastor to them. So often on a Sunday, she's, she wants to receive from the Lord because she has so many needs uh, that she's attending to. And what, I mean, that she was just celebrated in, in assembly this week. And it says, without compare, this is the principle, our chappie is the most effective and respected chaplain I've ever worked with. Uh, our school is a beautiful community, but just like all communities, we have times of happiness, joy, and times and seasons that are more difficult to endure. The gift that we have is that whether it be happiness or challenge, we know we are never alone because our chappy is only too happy to walk beside us, be it sharing a joke, a wise word, or perhaps even some sage advice. Chappy finds a way to make everyone feel very visible and certainly very valued. She spends her days at Kedron weaving her grace, love, and aspirational hopes for our school community into all she does. She's a leader in our school setting. The perfect example for both the adult and the student body to follow. Her compassion and support for all of us is unrivaled. 
She's a true champion of the Kedron community and all of us who work and play here. You know, that's an excerpt of, of, of this, um, of what the uh, principal, and the principal is a leading school's principal too, an outstanding one. And uh, what Leanne has seen in her environment, just, just in her simple, systematic, over 10 years, involvement, engagement with people's lives, loving them, not preaching, not, not being overt, uh, but by proving herself to be a person of character, um, what has happened is that school is, is, is coming to Jesus. That, that school is actually, and I, please don't tell everyone this, you know, but what is happening is the kingdom of God is coming into that environment because she prays for people and because atheists, they ask her to pray for her. It, what she's seeing is an amazing move of God in her environment, just simply because she's doing what many other chaplains are doing, is faithfully being the Jesus person without, you know, without um, uh, expectation among them, proving herself. That is God's call for all of us. And that's what Jesus calls us to an, as we come to this whole notion of prayer, that we are a people that are so taken, so overwhelmed, so um, swamped with the goodness of God that, um, uh, that it, it's infectious, it's contagious, it's explosive, it's transformative. You know, the story of Jonah, and Graham changed us last week, challenged us last week, is how much do we love Brisbane? How much do we love the people out there? Or do we want to keep ourselves a holy un un enclave? We've been in this theme of missional church and about our role for those about us. As we are invited by Jesus into prayer, he's talking about this tenacious kind of prayer, this radical, embarrassing measure of prayer, so that prayer in our lives is so assertive because we are so founded on the goodness of God that nobody, no situation, nothing absolutely can stand in the way of this amazing love of God. Because we move, we act, we live and move and have our being in Him. But when we understand, when we have good theology and understand how good God is and how much he extends his love to the most despised, the most threatening, the most under the skin, uh, the most frightening people that we can imagine. That's, where his, that's how far it takes us. And so we are not intimidated. We are not fearful. We are not reserved, but we are courageous. We're moving forth and Jesus challenges us to move into this kind of, of prayerfulness, of, of life living. That, um, that is infectious and that not only makes our life amazing, but it makes the world all about us amazing. Would you be able to come and uh, lead us in a song? Let's sing that song. Uh, Graham's going to lead us in that song, The Goodness of the Lord. This was produced by Cornerstone Christian Resources. It is deemed copyright and may be used by about Cornerstone Christian Resources, please visit the Cornerstone website at www.homecommunityworld.com.au Cornerstone meets at 81 Meter Parade, Alderney.